Hey. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I don't know why you surprised me because we were sitting here ready for an intro and you're just like, hi. And I scared you. <laughs> How are you? I'm not sick this week, friends. For the first time in almost five months of podcasting. Oh, yeah. She's not sick. So it only makes sense that I am a little bit under the weather. So she can infect me and yes. I'll be sick next week. It's only fair. Only fair. But yeah. What else? We're good. Yeah. I Oh, happy post-Valentine's Day? Yeah! I didn't really do anything. Hung out with some people. <coughs> There's the sick. Uh, Jeremy and I got dressed up really fancy. Mm-hmm. We brought flowers and candles to Waffle House. There you go. And had a candlelit... Waffle House dinner. Yes. Waffle House is nationwide, right? Believe so. Yeah. So everybody knows what Waffle House is. Not the fanciest place, but they classed it up. Yeah, we did. And then we got cheesecake. Hey. <laughs> and then we made a puzzle. Well, that happened. <laughs> I watched The Perfection. What is that? It's a horror movie that's on Netflix, and it's about uh, two violin players, or cello players. Um, it's got a lot of twists and turns. It's really hard to, like, describe... But it's really good. So if you haven't seen it, watch it, because I liked it a lot. That was the second time I saw it, though, so I knew it was going to happen, so it was kind of cool to, like, just be able to relax and watch the movie. Kind of connect the dots. Yeah. And see how terrible some of the acting was at the beginning, before you find out the first twist, and it all makes sense. But it's like looking back at a character's actions, I'm like, how did nobody figure that out when they watched it the first time? But watch it. It's good. It's worth it. You said The Perfectionist? The Perfection. Oh, The Perfection. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I have to check that out. Um, wow, I'm gassy today. I'm sorry. Me too, oh, a little so bit. Oh, so is Megan. This I is bad. This is bad. We'll try um, to keep it under control. <laughs> so, this week's theme is like the insert your name here type style. This is because... I fucking love Mad Libs. I don't know (laughs) why I like them so much. They're just, like, super silly, super random. So, before we get into our serial killers with the serial killer insert your name here nonsense, we're gonna do some Mad Libs for you guys. We found one for each other. Yes. I did one, I did it earlier just to, like, test it out. And I was laughing at myself, so I can only imagine that when Nola comes up with these words not knowing anything about this story, it's going to be good. And I can't control myself when I play Mad Libs, so just expect a lot of laughter. And just, yeah. (laughs) So we'll start off. Uh, I found a Mad Lib that is titled The Serial Killer. All right, Megan, give me a noun. Plate. Cool. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Give me another noun. Rug. I'm looking at the rug (laughs) in the room. This is the hardest thing for me. Give me a type of gun. Uh, pistol. (laughs) Uh, give me an emotion. Depressed. Give me another emotion. Happy. Give me a past tense verb. Ran. Uh, give me an adjective. Uh, (laughs) soft. Uh, verb ending in ing. Swimming. Give me another one. Walking. And your full name. My full name? Yeah. Megan Christine Klopstein. Okay. (laughs) So, let's see how silly this is. So, this is the serial killer. One time in San Francisco, a plate named Phil (laughs) had a thought. He wanted to know how it felt to murder someone. That murderous plate. So, he went to the rug store and bought a pistol. After a few years, he was all over the world known for his terrible killing. He murdered a total of 256 women and 28 men. Damn, that is not even. 
Um, <laughs> so far. Everyone all over the world was so depressed. The police weren't very happy that they never ran him, but were glad he was soft. <laughs> Before long, people started saying his ghost was swimming around and walking. <laughs> Who's going to be next? Is he out to get Megan Christine Klopstein? Uh-oh. Dun, dun, dun. You gotta watch out for those swimming and walking ghosts. That's a plate named Phil. That would be terrifying. So, to be yeah. chased by a plate. Mine has a lot more words to fill in. Okay. But, ho- oh, hopefully. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> give me an adjective. Oh, wait, sorry. This is called oohs and ahs. <laughs> it's more of a, um, a horror Mad Lib because I couldn't find a serial killer one where I could stand reading the grammar that these kids had written. So, here we go. Adjective. Uh, greasy. Another adjective. Uh, <laughs> glittery. <laughs> Another adjective. We got four more. Warm. Another one. Furry. Oh. Uh, another one. Uh, sharp. Another one. I'm so sorry. There's eight. Slimy. Hey, I used that one earlier. Another adjective. Um, ugly. Perfect. And one more. Loud. Yeah, adjectives are hard. Um, noun. Toaster. Another one? Paperclip. (laughs) Another one? I'm panicking here. Um. She laughed at me for saying rug, and she said paperclip. (laughs) Another one, um, silly band. Oh, silly bands. Um, oh, I said silly bands. Okay, another noun. Game Boy. Interesting. Now in the nineties. Um, dictionary. This is gonna be interesting. Two more nouns. Oh shit. Um. Oh, I just oh. dropped my phone. I'm so sorry. Guys. <laughs> and I've hit the microphone eighteen times. He's gonna kill me. <laughs> um, vape. Hey, one more. No. Um, dog. Eh. A piece of clothing. Bra. Another piece of clothing. Sweatshirt. Because she's looking at mine. Yep. A noise. Bang. Another noise. Crash. <laughs> A foreign word. I caramba. <laughs> I did not spell that right, but I'll be able to pronounce it when I read it. A body part. Kneecap. Another body part. Lip. A color. Red. Another color. Purple. A liquid. Uh, coffee. <laughs> Exclamation. Um, uh... Remember the Alamo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no! Another exclamation! What the fuck? (laughs) Um. Remember the Alamo! (laughs) What's another exclamation? I mean, fucking yay works! Okay, yay! Let's do yay! (laughs) Um, an animal. Um, donkey. Like it. Another animal? Uh, gecko. I like that one even more. A number? 32. Another number? 14. An adverb? Uh, quickly. Another adverb? Noisily. One more adverb? Uh, fearfully. And a pet's name. Geronimo. That's my sister's dog. It's Geronimo. All right. Are you ready for this? Oh, yes. I don't think anybody is. (laughs) 
Oohs and ahs. Ooh. I will never forget the night that it happened. It was a greasy night, and I was relaxing upstairs with my toaster, a good book, and my faithful donkey Geronimo. (laughs) Suddenly, there was a loud bang. I sprang to my feet and crept downstairs, trying to be as glittery as I could. (laughs) Nothing looked out of the ordinary. Suddenly, I heard the bang again, but this time, it was much more warm, and I knew it was coming from the basement. Ooh, a warm bang. (laughs) Yeah. Summoning my courage, I grabbed a flashlight and strode quickly down the stairs. I might have met my end right there, if not for Geronimo, who let out a loud crash. Startled, I jumped noisily to the side, just in time to avoid a long, gooey appendage. Gross. I turned my flashlight on and the intruder... I turned my flashlight on the intruder and gasped in horror. Lurking there in my basement, bathed in the furry glow of my light was a huge, quivering, shapeless blob of ooze. Ooh. The hideous thing was as red as a paperclip and as big as a silly band. <laughs> <laughs> not oh, that big. Man. If it's as big as a silly <laughs> not, band. Not that big. <laughs> Remember the Alamo, I cried. <laughs> fearfully up the stairs, but the thing chased me with lightning speed. I was trapped, and I knew I had to fight if I wanted to survive. First, I tried to chop it with the sharp Game Boy from the kitchen. Oh, damn. (laughs) Then I shot it with my grandpa's dictionary that hangs over the fireplace. (laughs) They were Uh, obviously looking for a word there. Why didn't they just say gun? Or, like, weapon. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But you shot it with a dictionary, so that's something. (laughs) In desperation, I even tried or yeah, even tried throwing coffee on it, but to all to no avail. It just kept coming. I thought I was dead for sure when suddenly a strange figure crashed into my window and leapt between us. He was tall and sharp with fierce, slimy eyes and ugly shoulders. Ugh. He was dressed in t- <laughs> ugly shoulders. <laughs> Poor guy. He was dressed entirely in black except for his purple bra. Ooh. <laughs> Yay, the figure cried. And as quick as a gecko, he jumped in and stunned the ooze with a powerful kick. Without pause, he scooped the thing into a vape and tied it shut with a long dog. (laughs) How did you do that? I gasped, trying to catch my breath. The only weakness is their kneecap, he replied. One good kick and the things are helpless. (laughs) I don't know how a slimy ooze has a kneecap, but here we are. But how do you find it? I asked, staring into the shapeless mass. That is easy, said the stranger. It's right next to their lip. Mm. Hmm. (laughs) I thanked him for saving my life, and I asked him for his name. I am (laughs) Icaramba. And I have been (laughs) hunting the ooze creatures all my life. Join me in my quest, and we will make the world safe from their loud evil. Now that I knew the truth, how could I say no? I joined Icaramba that night, and my life has never been the same. Sounds like a vigilante superhero. All black, purple bra. I learned how to spot their kneecap in less than 32 seconds. Oh. And together we have defeated over 14 of the ooze creatures. I even got my own purple bra. (laughs) (laughs) I'm saving that one. It's necessary to have a purple bra. When I played earlier, he got his own blue sweatband. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, a mark of slaying beasts for Nola. It's a purple bra. That's all right. Oh, yeah. I just love Mad Lips so much. They're just funny. Oh, God. I closed my notes. <laughs> like, well, how am I going to go over what we're looking at today? It looks like I'll be starting then. <laughs> I mean, I've got them, but yes, you can start. Okay. So. Hi, my name is Nola. So for the insert your name thing, I ser- I Google searched serial killer Nola. Unsurprisingly, there's no actual serial killers out there named Nola, at least that we know of yet. You'll never catch me. She just winked. Um, <laughs> Guys, if I'm dead soon, it's her. And what came up were uh, serial killers from New Orleans. So there was like the Madame Laveau, 
uh, who like tortured a lot of her slaves. But then there's also the Axeman of New Orleans. Dun dun dun. So I chose him because uh, I think this case is super cool. Uh, one of my favorite seasons of uh, American Horror Story is Coven, which is set in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And yes, they cover Madame Laveau, but they also cover the Axeman. And I thought that was super cool. Is that like throughout the season or is there like yeah. just an episode? It's like um, Jessica Lange's boo thing. Oh, yeah. Is the ghost of the Axeman. So, there's that. But, here's to the real Axeman of New Orleans. So, he was active from May of 1918 to October of 1919. So, we can make fun of him now because he's long dead. Yes. I hope. And he's had about 11 victims. Not all of them have died, Mm -hmm. but he has attacked, like, over 11 people, which is crazy. Um, his first set of victims were on May 22nd, 1918. It was Joseph and Catherine Maggio. Mm-hmm. They were Italian grocers, and they were found in their beds. Both of their throats had been slit, and their uh, heads bashed in with an axe. That's so sad. So upon investigation, the police noticed that one of their door panels was chiseled out, hmm. and that the intruder had taken... Joseph's axe and used this. Um, he used that to slit their throats? Well, he used a razor to slit oh, their throats. Oh, I was like, that's that seems tedious. Oh, yes. So he slit their throats first to make sure that they would die, and then just, like, kind of with the axe Yikes. there. Yikes. Um, Catherine's throat was slit so deeply that she was almost decapitated. Oh, my God. Yes. Not so, messing around. Super violent crime. Um, and to kind of just talk about what police work was like at this time... On the crime scene, they found that, like, they found the way that he entered, they found the way, or, like, found the bloody axe. He had changed his clothes there and left his bloody clothes on the scene, and then the neighbor, in the neighbor's yard was the bloody razor blade. So they had both murder weapons, they had his clothes, and they still- They had plenty of stuff to be able to find him. Yeah, they were unable to find him still. Good God. Which is just talking about, like, the leaps and bounds that- uh, detective work has yeah. gone through, which is awesome, but just so sad that they had all of this evidence and, and didn't they still find couldn't him do this. anything with it. Yeah. So, uh, ne- the next the following month, whoa, stuttered <laughs> real hard. Sorry about that. <laughs> following month, June twenty seventh, uh, Louis Besummer, sure, Besumer, uh, was also found attacked in the back of his grocery store. So it was him and his mistress, Harriet Lowe. His mistress? Yes. Oh, what a terrible way to find out. Yes. So the two were attacked in the back of the grocery store. They were found by the man delivering bread. And uh, they were both just bleeding profusely from their heads. They were found in puddles of their own blood. Uh, But both were able, or both survived. Yeah. And Harriet kind of went a little crazy. Like, I mean, head trauma for sure. But she was, like, saying that it was, like... A certain person and Joe or Lewis was like, nah, it's not. Um, and then she eventually she was just like, Lewis is a spy mm-hmm. for the Germans or something, like just no. went completely yeah. off a rocker. Uh, went all to court, and in like 10 minutes, the jury was like, no, he's innocent. So, because she also blamed him for the, the attack, yeah. Um, uh, on the scene for here, too. The axe was found in the bathroom, and it was the summer's own axe. So, again, the murder weapons at the scene. hmm <laughs> Yes. And, yeah. I the thing if with serial the, like, killers back then were just like, I know I can get away with this. Yeah. I can just do whatever the fuck I want. And the thing with, like, the head trauma, too, like, nobody can really be, like... Nobody can be, be relied tru- on. Yeah. yeah. Like, be trusted, because they're like, well, what if this is just another episode? Huh. Yes. Um... So, Lewis survived, Harriet survived the attack, but eventually um, she went to go get surgery on her face because part of her face was paralyzed. Yikes. And she died in surgery mm-hmm. on August 5th of that year. Poor Harriet. Uh, later that day, they found out that there was another victim. So, she, uh, Harriet dies like the same day as the next victim. Not um, patient at all. Oh, no, yeah. He was just like, well, this was two months later. So it was May 22nd to June 27th to August 5th. Mm-hmm. Um, and August 5th, 1918, Anna Schneider, who was eight months pregnant, was attacked while sleeping. 
Mm. A man had crawled through one of her open windows and bashed her face in with a lamp. Good God. Okay, um, people, don't sleep with your windows open. Yes. But it's just so hard for, like, back then. Right, where it's, it's AC August, it's New Orleans, like, she's eight months pregnant. Right. Girlfriend needed a breeze. Um, luckily, Anna survived, and she did she give... She survived? Yeah, she survived. Ugh. She gave birth, the baby girl was healthy, um, just total tragedy, though, like... Yeah. I cannot believe. I wouldn't want to survive through getting my face bashed in. Yeah, I know. So awful. Uh, Five days later, so this is when he was (laughs) impatient. Right. Um, August 10th, 1918, Joseph Romano was attacked in his home that he shared with his two nieces. Hmm. So the girls were home, heard some commotion coming over from the next room, and they, like, entered, noticing that he had been struck in the head with an axe. These two did see an assailant fleeing the scene. So they described him as dark, heavyset man, who wore a dark suit and a hat. Huh. So, like, people all over New Orleans were freaking out. Rightfully so. I would be, too. these attacks happened all in one summer, so it was... I think just over a span of, like, three three, months. Four four attacks. Um, Some of them had two victims. Um, But now that there was, like, a description, people were seeing the axemen in every shadow. So, they were, like, Just New Orleans was crazy like town. Like, paranoid. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this was the last attack that he did in 1918. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had... At this moment, he had attacked two, four... Six, seven, eight people. Good God. But only three died right away, and then Harriet had died from surgery. Right. Because of it. So, there's, like, four deaths mm-hmm. because of this man. Um... It's believed that since the girl saw him, he, like, took a break. Right. And he ended up not Went attacking again. Spend time with his family for the holidays. Oh, yeah. He didn't uh, do another attack until March 10th of 1919. So it was from August to March that so he, he didn't like, do anything. all fall and winter. Yeah. Which, maybe not that many open windows or, like, well, well that, but he did like, chisel sure, open doors, so yeah. not... I wonder if it was just, like... He started again because he's like, well, people probably forgot. Yeah. Nobody's suspecting that I'm going to come back. Huh. Yep. Uh, so March 10th, 1919 was a big one. Mm-hmm. He uh, broke into the Cortemigilia home, home of Charles, wife Rosie, and infant daughter Mary. Mm. So the three were all in the same bed. Mary was in Rosie's arms when the axeman broke in. And bashed them all in the heads. Like, even? Even the, the infant. Aww. The infant was the only one to die. Mm. Um, and this was same as the other cases. Found out that the back door panel was chiseled away. Yeah. And then they found a bloody axe on the back porch. So it was like, this is obviously the same man. Right. Um, from this attack, there was a lot going on. Um, there was a grocer who came in, heard the screams, and he was trying to help the family. Right. But the woman who had been struck in the head was like, this man did it. He and his son did it. Um, the two were actually convicted. So the son was sentenced to hanging. Mm. And the older grocer was sentenced to just life because he was elderly. Yeah. Uh, eventually, I think something came through on her and she was like, actually, no, it wasn't. So then they were... Oh, so he wasn't hanged. So he wasn't hanged, and then he got out of prison. Right. Like, that was a whole messy situation, which I'm sure, like, if you've got brain trauma and this, like... The last thing you remember is getting bashed in, and then you see two people in front of you. Yes, and, like, your daughter's dead, and it's just, like... Yeah. Your brain's gonna make these leaps here. Um, So I understand why she kind of did that. It is very messed up for Mm -hmm. those two, but I'm glad that it didn't. And, and with them, yeah, like, actually dying. Yeah. Um, but after this attack, March 10th, 1919, uh, the accident wrote a letter mm-hmm. to the people of New Orleans. So this was published in the newspaper March 13th, 1919. So three days after the attack? Yes. Okay. So it says, esteemed mortal of New Orleans, the Axemen. They have never caught me, and they never will. 
They have never seen me, for I am invisible, even as the ether that surrounds your earth. I am not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you, Orleanians, and your foolish police call the Axemen. When I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know whom they shall be. I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe, besmeared with blood and brains of he whom I have sent below to keep me company. If you wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I am responsible, spirit. I take no offense at the way they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they've been so utterly stupid as to not only amuse me, but his satanic majesty, Francis Joseph, etc. But tell them to beware. Let them not try to discover what I am, for it were better that they were never born than to incur the wrath of the axemen. I don't think there is any need of such a warning, for I feel sure the police will always dodge me, as they have in the past. They are wise and know how to keep away from all harm. Undoubtedly, you Orleanians think of me as a most horrible murderer, which I am, but I could be much worse if I wanted to. If I wished, I could pay a visit to your city every night. At will, I could slay thousands of your best citizens, and the worst, for I am in close relationship with the Angel of Death. Now to be exact, at 12.15, earthly time, on next Tuesday night, I'm going to pass over New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I'm going to make a little proposition to you people. Here it is. I'm very fond of jazz music, and I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared in whose home a jazz band is in full swing at that time. I've just mentioned. If everyone has a jazz band going, well, then so much the better for you people. One thing is certain, and that is that some of your people who do not jazz it out on that specific Tuesday night, if there be any, will get the axe. Well, as I am cold and crave the warmth of my native Tartarus, and it is about time I leave your earthly home, I will cease my discourse, hoping that thou wilt publish this, that it may go well with thee, I have been, am, and will be the worst spirit that ever existed, either in fact or realm of fancy. The X-Men. That is insane. Yes! So, with the way that that's written, you would have to suspect that this guy was educated. Yeah. Because he's very well spoken. Mm -hmm. And back then, like, being educated was pretty prominent. Like, it didn't happen a lot. Not everybody was educated. Even though he's saying he's you know, not from this earth, with him saying, your city, your citizens, all of this. I wonder if he was even, like, from New Orleans, or if he just traveled there to kill people. Huh. That's insane. Yeah. I've read the letters a few times, but having it read to me was different. Hmm. It's creepy town. Um, In response to this, there was a local, Joseph John Davila, who wrote a jazz song called The Mysterious Axeman's Jazz, don't scare me, Papa. <laughs> and this was, like, played all over the city that yeah. night. Um, the cover to the sheet music for the song was, like, is this family that's playing music with, like, fear on their faces. So it's, like, kind of a comic really? response yeah. to it. But maybe an yes. actual depiction. <laughs> yes. Who knows? But, like, uh, records show that that night the nightclubs were full, jazz bands were, like, hired out to Mm -hmm. a lot of homes, records were playing. Like, nobody died that night. That's good. He put out that proposition and everybody picked it up. They were like, nope. Just in case, you know, man, that... I'm sure there was, like, one husband that was like, no, we're not doing this. And Mm -hmm. the wife is like, uh, yes, we are. (laughs) Uh, fuck you. So... You can go to your own house and not play it. (laughs) It's, like, kind of interesting that after this, he kind of lays low for a moment. Uh, So this happened in March. The next attack didn't happen until August 10th. And then he only had two more after that. So it was August 10th, September 3rd, and then his final one was October 27th. Huh. So, like, I felt like that letter would have been, like, a big, I don't know, kind of, mm, what do you call it, climax of his serial killing career. I right. don't know. Um, 
but it just kind of went stagnant a little bit after that, which, thank God. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, August 10th, there was a couple that was attacked. They survived. Uh, September 3rd, it was a woman who was attacked. She survived. October 27th, a final man was attacked, and he did die. Hmm. Um, and then after that, the Axeman vanished. Uh, there is a crime writer, Colin Wilson, who speculates that the Axeman could have been Joseph Momfrey, a man who was shot to death in Los Angeles in December of 1920 by the widow of Mike Pepitone, which was the Axeman's last known victim. Oh. Wilson's theory has been widely repeated in other true crime books and websites. However, true crime writer Michael Newton, like, really looked into this. Yeah. He searched New Orleans and Los Angeles public records, um... And failed to find any evidence of a man with the name Joseph Momfrey that had been assaulted or killed in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. It was, like, between 1905 and, like, 2000. That's crazy. So, like, that man didn't die in Los Angeles at that time, so they're not thinking that this is an actual claim. Right. Uh, Just kind of like an urban legend tied to this man. Um, But other than that, there's no real suspects. There was... The two men that were sentenced to death and life that got off. And the lady that, or not lady, Harriet, the ones that yeah. she... She accused her yeah. lover. Um, but other than that, there hasn't been much speculation as to who the Axeman could have been. Um, and it remains unsolved to this day. Man, who would have thought we both would choose cold cases? <laughs> I didn't realize that mine was a cold case until I almost finished my research, if that helps. Man, that's insane. I've listened... There's, like, a few other podcasts that have covered the Axeman. Mm-hmm. It's a very popular case. Yeah. Because of that, that like paper you, call. Yeah. Like, that is just... That is big dick energy right there. <laughs> Especially I, for that, that time That is period. the definition of it. Like, I will threaten you in the papers... <laughs> I'm not afraid. I am not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of your police. I leave my murder weapons everywhere. I I leave leave my my fucking clothes clothes everywhere. Y'all can't catch me. Fuck you. Big dick energy. Try and catch me. Oh, God. All right. Well, we can jump into mine. We're jumping forward in time. To Um, the 3000s? Yes. Been to the year 3000. I was going to say, insert Jonas Brothers song here. Not much has changed. But, but there's been a lot of murders. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> we are going to New York for mine. Um, Ooh, and we are New York, New Orleans. Yeah, oh, new uh, places. New. With cold cases. New <gasps> places, cold cases. <gasps> Episode title. Could be. TM. We're trademarking that right now. <laughs> new places, cold cases. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... We're covering the Long Island serial killer, um, the man with many names. So, like we said, this episode is insert your name serial killer here. So at first, searching for this, I came up with, like, nothing. Um, There's a few Megans that have been murdered, but there's only one serial killer named Megan. And she She was was a a bitch. She was a bitch, and she was a meth addict. And that's really about it. She claimed she killed six of her babies within them being alive for like two minutes. Like they'd be born, and she'd suffocate them, and then she hid them in her garage. Um, So I was like, "There's not much one to that story," and also it's really sad. uh, So I didn't want to cover that. So I had to get a little creative, um, but I did learn some interesting facts about my name being connected to murder. Uh, My namesake is the reason that Megan's Law is in place. What is Megan's Law? Megan's Law states that law enforcement must make public uh, the information of known identities of sex offenders. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Because of the murder of Megan Conka in 1994. She Mm. was like seven and she was pretty brutally murdered and raped. It's really sad. Uh, So I wasn't covering that either because she's a child. Um, But that law is in place now. So, if there's a sex offender in your area, that has to be known. Meghan Markle, our newest royal runaway, um, (laughs) she's reportedly related to H.H. Holmes. Oh. Yeah, America's first known serial killer. Hmm. 
So that was kind of like cool ish. Not like cool that she's related to a serial mm-hmm. killer, but like that's an interesting fact. Oh yeah. Um, they're like eighth cousins or some shit. I'm really far down the line because mm-hmm. she's very young and he's not. Um, so my creativity led me to the Long Island serial killer. He had sab- several victims, but one was named Megan Waterman. So here we go. Cool. Uh, the Long Island serial killer was active from 1996 to 2010. Damn, that's yeah. recent. Yeah. So they are said to have murdered between 10 to 16 people um, in the span of this 20 years or so. Um, the nicknames for him are the Long Island serial killer, the Gilgo Beach killer, the Seashore serial killer. Say that one. Five times fast. The seashore serial killer. Seashore serial killer. Seashore sillier. Sillier killer. Fuck. And the Craigslist Ripper. Ooh. Yeah. Which we'll Wonder get to what that. he did and who he killed. Yeah, it was pretty gross. Um, so most of his victims were tied to prostitution, um, and he left their bodies on the south shore of Long Island. Um, and it was very clear... All of his victims were 500 feet within each other. Like, exactly 500 feet between each victim. Where they were, like, their bodies found? Where their bodies were found. Were they all found at once or just different times? Yeah. Same Mm -hmm. area? Yeah. Okay. So the victims of four remains were found in December of 2010, and six more sets of remains were found in early 2011. The remains found in 2011 are actually believed to predate the bodies that were found in 2010. So, because of the amount of bodies, law enforcement originally thought that this might be the work of two people, because they were like, that's a lot of killing. Um, But it was later deduced that this is most likely just one person, which is crazy. Um, So, whoever did this was calculated in their work because the areas that the bodies were disposed of was actually, like, a common place for people to dump bodies. So, don't go to New York, uh, because I'm not going to. (laughs) So... A little bit into the police investigation. So the first body was discovered when a police officer was out on a run with his dog um, doing some, like, police training. And they found a body that was disintegrated in a burlap sack. Like, it had been there for a while. Um, So after a search of the area, three more bodies were found. And police knew that this was more than a coincidence and considered the possibility of a serial killer in the area. When the other bodies were found in late March and April of 2011, police expanded the search to look for four more victims, um, and two more sets of remains were found, expanding the death count to ten people. You said that they were on a beach? Yeah. Were they just, like, buried, or...? Um, yeah. Okay, Jesus. In the sand. So, that's a lot of work. I don't know if anybody's Mm -hmm. tried to dig in sand. It's almost impossible. Um, so... After these victims were found, there was a $25,000 reward out for anybody with information on who the killer might be. Uh, They had raised it. It was, like, at $15,000 or something. And then when they found 10 victims, they were like, we will give you $25,000 if you can tell us who did this. And nobody was able to come forth. Um, So why were police so confident of the one killer theory? It was the forensic evidence and the treatment of the bodies were all pretty similar. So... Mm -hmm thinking that two people were both treating these bodies exactly the same is pretty low. Um, and they were also convinced that the serial killer was from Long Island. It was somebody in the area. So on December 10th of 2015, so five, well, about four years after the last bodies were found, the FBI officially joined the investigation. So as I was reading, I was like, that's a long time for the FBI to get involved on something that seems so serious. Um, but that is an interesting story. So the day before they joined, the previous police commissioner was indicted for police brutality and other issues. And his name was James Burke. Um, turns out he had also been blocking FBI involvement. So anytime okay. that they were like, we should get involved, he's like, no. And you're like, hmm. That's sketchy. Yeah, that's a little weird. Um, so he'd been doing that for years. So the FBI had helped search for victims when they were first discovered, but they were never officially added to the investigation until 2015. So that's really all that they have on the police investigation. That's pretty recent. Uh, 
what, five years ago, almost. Actually, just a little over four, because we just passed December of 2019. So now we've got some suspects. We've got James Burke. He was the police commissioner. He didn't help himself um, with his charges of, like, being violent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And he hired an escort, like, pretty recently. Um, And the escort actually came forth and said that she was handled pretty roughly by him. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that didn't look great for him. Um, But they haven't been able to, like, tie him specifically to the case. So we don't know if he did it. The next suspect is John... Bitch Roloff. <laughs> I'm sorry. It what? does sound like I said bitch. It's not B I T T R O L F F. Bit Roloff. Bit Roloff. Not bitch Roloff. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he was charged with the murder of other women not connected to the case. So they were like, maybe. <laughs> maybe it was you. Um, because his murders also took place on Long Island. He was convicted mm. for two. Um, and he's currently serving time for the two murders that he was convicted of, but he hasn't been found guilty of these cases yet. Um, Joseph Brewer, he hired escorts off of Craigslist, apparently a common practice. Um, and he was one of the last people to see one of the victims alive, um, the night that she went missing. And that's right around when the bodies were found. So police have cleared him saying that they couldn't like specifically tie him to the other bodies And they couldn't find any, like, wrongdoing with him being one of the last people that saw this girl alive because of Dr. Peter Hackett. He's a doctor that claimed he treated the same victim the night of her disappearance, that she had gone around running and, like, banging on people's doors asking for help, and he's like, oh, I treated her, Um, which isn't great. But through later investigation, Hackett was cleared because his own confession of what he did didn't add up. Um, he's saying he was alone and he treated this woman. Turns out his wife and kids were at home that night and they were like, nobody came over. Um, so I don't know why he did that. (laughs) That's weird. But also they found out that Hackett was pretty known to like exaggerate his role in major events. Um, which just is weird to me. Why would you want to convict yourself of murder? Maybe he just wants to be famous. I don't know. Some people just want the drama. Right. (laughs) Uh, So the identity of the killer is still unknown, which we were just talking about how, like, how many leaps and bounds forensic discovery has made. Mm -hmm. So it's just crazy for me to be like, you see all of this, you have all of this evidence, you're tying new bodies to evidence found years ago, but we still don't know who did it. Like, that is so crazy to me. Because, like, I don't know, there's just got to be something about hiding your bodies in sand and, like, near the beach that's got to, like, kind of destroy some other, like, physical evidence. Mm-hmm. That's some tricky shit. And, like, you said that he's called the Craigslist Ripper, right? Yeah. And so I'll they... get to that when oh, we okay. talk about the victims. All right. So it's, like, they don't have any trace between who they talked to? No. I've got, so I've got the list of known victims, and then there's a few unknown, um, and we'll find out why there, and when they were, like, last seen, and Mm. what last conversations were. Okay. So, our known victims, they were all prostitutes, escorts, um, that advertised services on Craigslist. So, the victims found in December of 2010, we've got Maureen Brainerd Barnes, um, she was 25, She was last seen on July 9th, 2007, telling people that she was just going to go spend the day in New York, and she was never heard from again, Um, and her body was discovered. I think she was one of the first people discovered in 2010. The second one is Melissa Bartholomew. She was 24. She was last seen July 10th, 2009, so two years after uh, Maureen. Her story was the most crazy out of all of this. So she went missing after meeting up with a man she responded to on Craigslist. Um, But after her disappearance, people were obviously trying to get in touch with her. Like, her little sister kept calling her phone um, with no answer. But then her little sister got a series of calls um, from a man who was not nice 
Uh, he asked her over and over again if she was a whore, like her sister, and would just call her and ask her this all the time. And then eventually called and said her sister was dead um, and that he was going to watch her rot. And I'm just like, God, how? Like, he's calling and saying this, and they still have no idea who this person is. You can't trace that? Police were able to trace the call to a location. And it was within the area. And that's how um, John was a suspect, because the calls were taking place in the area where he was from. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they were able to trace the location, but they couldn't figure out who was making the calls. So that was sad. So our third victim is Megan Waterman. She was 22. She was last seen on June 6th, 2010. And she told her boyfriend that she was just going out and she would see him later. Um, And her body was discovered later that year. So our fourth victim from 2010 is Amber Lynn Costello. She was 27, last seen on September 2nd, 2010. The night she went missing, she had responded to an ad where a man had reportedly offered her $1,500 for her services. Uh, And then she was discovered three months later. Mm. So then our victims, um, actually victim, from March or April of 2011, (coughs) the only known one that we have is Jessica Taylor, and she was 20, and she was last seen in July of 2003. So her torso was discovered that month. I'm sorry. So she, she, her torso was found in 2003. And they were like, whose body is this? We have no idea. Um, And the rest of her body was exhumed and matched in 2011. Jesus Christ. That just makes me sad. So for eight years, they just had this torso. And they were like, we don't know who this is. We can't match this with anybody. Like, we can't there's no dental records in a torso. Um, so that Good made me point. Sad. Yeah, you know. So our unknown victims, we've got Jane Doe, number six. She was found on April 4th, 2011. John Doe, the only male victim, he was found on April 4th as well. This one's different than the other victims, but from what the analysis was able to determine, he was between 17 to 23 years old and was probably living as a woman. Um, and they're thinking that the killer killed this guy when they found out he wasn't a woman. Um. Seems like either way he would have been right. murdered. Our third victim, unfortunately, is Baby Doe. Oh, little girl was probably between one and a half and two years old. Uh, her body was wrapped in a blanket with no signs of trauma, so probably just suffocation. Um. Baby was a person of color and was wearing a gold necklace and earrings. And number four is Peaches slash Jane Doe number three. Um, they gave this one a nickname because of a tattoo found on her chest of a peach. Um, it's believed that through DNA analysis that this is the mother of Baby Doe. So, or mom and dad, or mom and baby killed probably on the same night, I would assume. And our fifth one is Jane Doe number seven, or Fire Island Jane Doe. So, again, it was another torso that was found that was matched to a set of legs found in 96. So, we just need a head. Jesus. Yeah. So, that's where the Ripper name comes in, Mm -hmm. uh, because some of these bodies were completely dismembered. Uh, So... Obviously, this is a cold case, very open and very recent. So if you have anything, you can tell police to anybody that is listening, please do. Um, I just want to say I'm sorry to the victims, families. That sucks um, to not have that, like, justice Mm -hmm. of knowing who killed your family. So violently. Right. Um, and there's also a list of possible victims that died around the same time as the rest of these victims, but they haven't, like, specifically been tied to this man. Um, but yeah, that's all I had on that one. I really didn't know what I was getting myself into when I started this case, um, until last night when I was typing the notes, and I was like, whoa. I avoided that one, Megan's, because I was depressed. Yeah. (laughs) But now I'm still depressed. Yeah, just... Good God. Yeah. He was 
Gross. Or he or he or she. I guess we can't. Yeah. We don't know. Um, but the only suspects we have are men. So that's where my assumption comes in. I like. I know. I know. Like absolutely nothing about this actual case. But like, it really makes me want to think that it was that police commissioner. Cause it's like. Just, like, let it be him so we can figure it out soon and have it be done. Well, that, and, like, that's so much carnage. That's, like, so much happening in such a Mm -hmm. long amount of time to only be discovered, like, years after. And, like... And he blocked the FBI from getting involved. Like, he just looks really suspicious. But there was an article written in January of this year, and they found a belt that wasn't worn by any of the victims that had HW or WH on it. They can't determine if it was up or down. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're thinking that might be connected to the killer. Mm -hmm. So we might be closer than we think to figuring this out. Hopefully. But we will keep you updated Mm -hmm. if anything else comes out. Um, But that's all I had. Oh, we made podcasts, friends. Yeah. Yeah. So... If you guys like comedy, you like funny things, you like laughing, and you don't just want to laugh at us, uh, tune into Drinks with Brandon. It's on Apple. I think he's on Spotify. He's on Anchor. Um, him and I have talked back and forth a few times. He is hilarious. Um, I don't. Have you met my cousin Dan, mm, Megan's husband? Maybe I don't remember. Brandon re- reminds me of him a lot, and mm-hmm. I just adore Dan. His humor is just really funny, and he's just down to earth. Um, so that one's a lot of fun if you like comedy. Um, and if you want to stay on the Supernatural track, check out Supernatural Tendencies. Um, Alex was really nice to have given us feedback on the episode. Looking forward to feedback on this one. I did not take your hanging up blankets idea, Alex, but we will try that soon. And he gave us our first listener story, which hopefully we can tie into an episode here soon. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, so on that note, if you guys have any stories of, like, I don't know, you being, your names being attached to serial killers, or, <laughs> like, if people are like, oh, your name's Jeffrey, like, Jeffrey Dahmer, or whatever, <laughs> uh, anything like that, you can let us know if you've got fun stories with that. Um, you can message us on Instagram, Dead Magnolias Podcast. Email us at Gmail. Dead Magnolias Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, become a part of our Facebook group, Dead Magnolias Podcast. <laughs> and Pretty um, consistent across the board. Or if you have, like, any ghost stories or just, like, um, anything that you think is super interesting, either from your personal life or just a topic that you are aware of that we might not know and you want us to cover, just let us know. Hit us up. We're kind of friendly. We're really friendly. Fuck kinda that. Friendly. Um... <laughs> Um, we will take any and all feedback. Yes, I really appreciate it because we're new to this. Oh, yeah. Okay. But that's it. Until next week. Stay spooky.